0: This week on Backroom Politics, breaking news out of Moscow. The Russian ruble continues to take a nosedive, affecting economic markets globally. Also, breaking news out of Pakistan a school massacre which leaves over 144 dead, dozens injured in a Taliban strike against the government. Also, Sydney, Australia, the latest on the Sydney hostage-taking and how the Lone Wolf radicals are taking a hold on national security here in the U.S. That, the Cromnibus, and a bunch of other stuff this week on Backroom Politics.
1: Live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics. To join the discussion, you can call toll-free 1-877-662-3713. And now, the moderator of Backroom Politics, Justin Russell.
0: Good afternoon out there in radio land. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for the best political radio show you've never heard of. It's time for Backroom Politics, live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do every Tuesday, back from a long stint in rehab, the physical, not the drug kind. He is the (laughs) former eight-term member of Congress representing the 2nd Congressional District of Washington, our long-lost friend, Congressman Al Swift. Welcome back, Al.
2: Welcome (laughs) back. Do you have next time, Does
1: that mean Alan won't say anything bad about to me? <laughs> no. 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 Absolutely. not. Absolutely. I'll hold
3: off as well as I can. Right. You provoked me over the top. Right.
0: It's good to be back. <laughs> to my before. to my eleven o'clock across the table, he is the former vice president of government affairs for the National Broadcasting Corporation, former floor chief and then Congressman Gerald R. Ford. He is Bob Hines. Hello, Bob. Hi, Justin. Glad to be here. And directly across the table, he is the former lobbyist for 20th Century Fox and the former executive director of the Democratic Party of the great state of Maryland. He is Carl too, and, and hello, Carl. Hello,
2: Justin.
1: Probably glad you're not lobbying for Sony at this point.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. No. Hey,
0: you coming back? Hey, Al comes back big. <laughs> Al, about, Al. It's all about
3: billable hours, though, Al. <laughs>
0: wow, easy, Al. You got two hours to fill. Okay, and. To my one o'clock across the table, she is the former general counsel for the House Homeland Security under Betty Thompson. He, she is a former general counsel at the Maritime Administrator of uh, Maritime Administration. She is Obama appointee, the Honorable Denise Crapo. Hello, Denise. Hello, Justin. And to my one o'clock across the table, he is the former Under Secretary of Commerce who served at last count under four presidents. He is a long-time Senate staffer, longtime long-time Washington insider. He is the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan.
3: Hello, guys, and I am so thrilled to have Al back and to increase the target-rich environment around the table. (laughs)
4: Exactly,
0: exactly. And to my right, ironically, he is the bar-certified attorney here in the District of Columbia in the great state of New York. He is longtime Democratic political operative Dan Lipner, Esquire. Hello, Daniel.
5: Hello Justin, glad
0: to be here. Oh, wow, we've got all kinds of stuff that's going on that we're going to talk about. We're going to start we're going to start off by talking about the latest coming out of Moscow. Uh right now world world markets are in turmoil dealing with a uh basically what can only be called and as Bloomberg is now officially calling it a economic system collapse. Uh basically it is the 15 years of Vladimir Putin catching up economically with him and that country. It is a basically meltdown of the ruble, according to our friends at Bloomberg, uh, which has plunged now 18% against the dollar just in the past 48 hours. Stock markets across the globe are reeling. It is now being called the possible fuse of another global economic crisis. The big question is, Dan, I'm going to look at you. Why is it that when we look at the, at the plunge of the ruble, I mean, we're talking a huge nosedive in 48 hours. Why is this so scary to Wall Street and the other financial markets? Um, well, I'm not completely an
5: economic expert. However, part of the issue in Russia, as I understand it, and why it's affecting everyone else, is the the, the Russian economy was very much buoyed by the the high price of oil when it was well in excess of $100 a barrel. Now it's flirting with $50 a barrel. And all the Russian oligarchs that were making money hand over fist with the blessing of the Putin government, all that money needed to be put someplace. And ironically, investing in Russia might not have been the place to invest in, thus putting that money in other places in world markets uh, where they chose to plant their cash, and now that cash is a little more suspect, and the fluidity is dangerous, causing world markets to suddenly question exactly who their investors are and exactly how solvent all all that cash floating around is, hence the, the breakdown in the global market.
0: Alan Moore, you're a former secret- uh, undersecretary of commerce for international affairs. When you look at what's happening in Moscow right now, do the sanctions by the West play into this at all? Sure,
3: um, the sanctions were were making life difficult for the uh, the Russians before the collapse of the uh, of oil and gas prices. Um, and and he was uh, Putin was struggling. He was taking his fierce hardline in the Ukraine with Crimea, talking tough. The, the public was supportive of this, of this tough talk. Uh, the rest of the world can go to hell. We're tough, we're strong, we're on our own. The sanctions were, were having a particular impact on in outside investment and on the upper class who love to be able to buy foreign goods. With the collapse of, of oil and gas prices, the whole government which relies for about 50% of its external earnings from oil and gas is suddenly extremely fragile and the and the ruble started to collapse and they did a desperate made a desperate move at 1 in the morning 2 days ago to take interest rates from around 8% up to 17% and instead of having a this is inside the government in instead of having a positive impact it further rattled world markets, leading to the further decline in the ruble that you just mentioned.
0: Okay, but Bob Hines, I mean, when we look at Vladimir Putin, we see a guy that largely for the past 15 years has brought order to what was looked at as a Wild West situation in the large oil-based economy in Russia, uh, increased the living conditions, the quality of life in the Russian homesteads, but it 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 just seems that the past forty eight hours they're now talking that Putin's political life might be in danger. Is, is there some substance to that? Well, I I would think that they're
4: at the moment. I don't think he is in any trouble of, of you know being kicked out of office because there's nobody there behind him. He's the only one. But it is a terribly difficult problem. He is not an economist he's not a, a good uh, he's not a good politician what he is is a is a kgb guy sitting in the kremlin and uh, his talents and his skills do not really mesh with the problems that he's got to face he has no solutions and he's going to have a problem that i think is going to cause all kinds of turmoil in russia i don't know whether we're going to lose him or he's going to have problems in, in, in serious problems but i do suspect that in a very short time there's going to be a lot of very very difficult uh, problems in Russia, much more than there are
1: right now. They're, Congress, they're, they're
4: Congressman
0: down. Al, I just
1: you listed a lot of his accomplishments. I just wanted to throw in here, and Mussolini had the trains running on time.
0: Okay. He's coming well, out of the box strong, Al. Well, it,
1: <laughs> it, it sounded to me like you were suggesting that he'd done all these good things. No,
0: no, no. It's, you it, know, it, and it,
1: they don't mean to damn if his economy goes. No, no,
0: there. no. It, no, it's a, it's absolutely a, a valid point. You've you got a you've got a, a very totalitarian esque leader in Vladimir Putin, uh, who has managed to somewhat give up a little bit of control, then take it back, then give it back, and then take it back. Uh, huge, huge satisfactory ratings, positive numbers coming out of polling out of, out of Russian, particularly with young Russians, millennial Russians, who think that this is the rebirth of a strong homeland for them. Well, I good, absolutely I, agree.
1: I just, well, I just won't mention Mussolini again. Well, <laughs> we, we'd like to
0: keep, we would like to keep it in this decade if we can now. Uh, no, I, I just, no, no, I, but go ahead. No, I, think, I, I,
5: I, I think Congressman Al has got a good point on the Mussolini reference. Um, let's get continuing the, the, the World War II reference point, but let's go back m- more importantly, the period between World War I and World War II. This is Carl's era Layout for world history for the consumers out there, a define an economically troubled country that has historically been a powerhouse that also happens to have a strong military sound like anything familiar, um, this is a, a little bit troubling. And there's actually evidence on the ground of Russian saber-rattling. They've been messing around in the Baltics. They've been messing around with the Swedes in Norway. There There has been some military action that has confused the hell out of people since it doesn't seem to have strategic importance. Other than just, just save rattling.
0: but but if you but Dan Littner, if you if you talk about just the economic situation right now, you know you're talking about bringing up your benchmark interest rates to seventeen percent, basically doubling them in less than a week that's going to freeze up any sort of funding money flow running through any financial markets in Moscow it's really putting a crimp in just the livelihood, and now they're talking about. Possible inflation, uh, artificial inflation, on the ruble itself, which is going to cause an economic panic inside Russia. That's got to be a little scary for Western Europe.
5: I, I suspect the answer is yes, but I think the niece might be all part of this better. Okay. Hold on. Uh, Carl Tubin. First of all, I think, I think we have to give...
6: I think we have to give some credit to OPEC. Uh, when OPEC decided not to uh, raise their prices, which meant that oil would go up again, It harmed Russia, Nigeria, and some other, other countries. And uh, you know, I, I think we have to give them a little bit of credit. Plus our sanctions. And, and going off of uh point, uh, you know, it's people who have bad economic times love to attack other people. And uh, whether
0: it was we're not, yeah, but that's a stretch though, Carl. I mean, if you're talking about that they're going to start attacking other countries because of economic woes, that's I, they've, I, already I, done I, they, they, they've invaded, already China. China. they've already annexed territory. I mean, yeah. they, they, out out not, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The calendar oh, year, hold, on, a hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. Look, I, I'm by, I am by no means a, 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 a Russian pacifist, but I, I will say. What they did in Crimea is something that America would have done. It was protecting a national assets. It's their warm water, deep water port for their, a large part of their naval uh, defense fleet. I think that, that that's something that we would have done. Where they crossed the line was looking at annexing the non-warm water ports. There are no ports. It's a landlocked part of the Ukraine that they started getting involved Texas? in. No, it, What's that? I said, are you
7: referencing Texas? I, 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 so, I think that's what No, we got but it. no, so, uh, let's let's
5: play this out for a second. Are you honestly talking cuz yeah, that that is an argument for Crimea. There's a lot more going on in Ukraine other than just Crimea. But going beyond that, there's also the Russian subs showing up in NATO ally ports. Um uh, there's also Russian spy planes buzzing <laughs> well, that,
7: NATO allies. I mean, allies. That, that, I mean this
5: is, is a thing. Oh, All these like, crap. I mean,
7: that, First of all, that's destabilizing. They know exactly what they're doing. They're putting everybody, you know, we're making everybody a little jumpy. What concerns me right now is, is that if, you, if your interest rate is going up to 17%, it's becoming much more expensive to buy food. And for the average Russian, the question is going to be now that it's December and we're heading into January with a lot of snow, how are you going to pay your energy bill, and will there be any food on the um, at the counters? I mean, I, I grew up in an era with the Russians where you went to special stores and you fought over potatoes. Now, I don't think this generation remembers fighting for potatoes and bread, but that, that's essentially where we're heading with well, right, this, that will be the right, problem. Right now,
0: right now, what we're looking at economically, dealing with the facts, is we've got basically as of, as of about uh, 4 o'clock, you've got $1.00 to sixty seven point nine one rubles, which is a huge gap as far as allowing money to flow and spending capability of any Russian looking to get Western gear or Western uh products on top of the fact on top of the fact that you've got what Denise is, Denise is scrambling.
7: If I was to invite a guest, would there be any anybody to say no to that? No. no. Uh,
0: well,
4: Bye. I saw it. Al Sharp
2: no,
0: no, no. Why? Not, no, no, why? no, 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 no. Not yet. Sure. Not yet. Oh, not God. yet. Be here, okay. Not? Oh, oh, uh, Denise. We'll talk about it at break. We'll talk about it at break. I mean, we'll gone, hold on. Right? He won't Don't be. It, it,
2: it, we'll talk about, we're talking about Russia right now. We're talking about Russia right now. Come on. Don't do that.
0: That's, no. no, 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 no. So anyways, back to Russia. What we're going to do is, Um, looking at Russia right now, Alan Moore, when right now economic forecasters are looking at the ruble actually getting a bigger gap, Uh, Apple has now officially frozen all online sales to Russia, and it seems that Amazon and possibly Google may follow suit because of uh, the pending financial crisis in Moscow. How does Russia recover, or is this government too far down that rabbit hole. Who knows?
3: You know, everything that we're talking about here has happened in the last few days. You were talking about uh, facts, and I feel a need, because they were accumulating, some factual, we'll call them errors, um, uh, inadvertent errors, and none were made by our buddy Al, by the way. But the first, uh-huh. the first uh-huh. one was a comment that Putin is a that Putin is a terrible politician. I think the guy's a brilliant he, he's politician. He's a great politician. He's, he's done all of this crazy stuff, and he still has super high approval ratings. He's a disaster at running his government, and and maybe his decision making. But but he's a he's an unbelievably but, successful. But
0: but politician. I mean, but hang
3: but, on what, a second, I'm not done yet. Oh, okay. So then there was a the suggestion that that OPEC did not raise oil prices. Well, OPEC doesn't raise oil prices. OPEC controls output of oil. And what they considered doing was was cutting back. And the Saudis, who were the big player in OPEC, said, nope, we're not going to do it. And it wasn't about Russia per se. It was about a whole host of issues, including the expensive back in oil that we're producing in America. And the fact that other members around the table was like, we are not ready to cut. We want the Saudis to cut. The third one was the suggestion about Crimea that America would have done exactly the same thing. Nonsense. Yes. Yes. It's a ridiculous statement. We have draw, find us a parallel that's a true parallel. Don't. Call it Crimea and say that's a parallel. We don't. We wouldn't be annexing land at this point in our lives. And but there's no there's no useful parallel. Anyway. But, hey,
0: okay. Back. All right. But yeah, now no, no, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, oh, Cuba. No, hold on. Hold on. The, the one thing I do want to talk about yeah, is. I
4: want to yeah. <laughs> oh to really? We're going to go back. To, we're going to go back to that. And we didn't, we're not Stay people. Guys, stay,
0: stay with us here. Dan brings up another I point. I to offend as many people as I could. <laughs> yeah. if one through. 16, but it, not Al. Yeah. All right. So, anyway, but the reality is, uh, Alan Moore, he, last week, Putin vowed harsh measures, almost forecasting the downward turn of the ruble on any speculation investments on the ruble itself in, in Russian financial markets. I mean, and harsh, it's pretty harsh for Putin. Does that seem like an act of desperation?
3: Yes, but he's not the guy that you want. He's not the guy you want as your secretary of, of treasury or minister of finance. He's not smart on that stuff.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. I command you to go buy. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't buy Apple Macs or any right. Well anymore. no, you can. Only in dollars though. <laughs> yeah, if, well you they won't you can't buy it online. You, well, you can go to the Apple store in Moscow but you can't buy it online. I'll, I'll bet you
3: I'll bet if you can figure out a way to pay them dollars, you can do it. But <laughs> <Get> it, <yeah. laughs> but,
5: but those dollars are getting more and more expensive I, by the minute. I, I, I suspect the Russian black market is doing remarkably well. <laughs> it, you know, it,
0: it, it's funny you say that. You know, it, it, it's funny you say that because it, it, it almost seems right now that we're starting to see that that post glosnos Gorbachev era black market starting to pop up in little segments, i.e., black market uh, Mac computers or black market Samsung phones that's going to start pushing back okay, the economy be, in Moscow. I'm
7: going to be the fact person now. The black market existed before Black and before Gorbachev came in. I mean, I, I saw it in person when I was living over in Europe and, and going into the Soviet bloc in the mid-'80s. I mean, if you wanted something, you did not go to the company-slash-USSR store. You went on the black market. So these folks had never come off the black market because they knew, regardless, if it was going to be Gorbachev or Yeltsin or Putin. They always needed to rely on the fact No, wait, 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 wait. Let me
0: let me jump in. Time. If you're going to talk about facts, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute.
7: You cannot compare.
0: You cannot compare. See what happened in your absence. Now? I know. We don't talk about facts. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, <laughs> we talk about talking about them. We don't still get there yet. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> let, let's talk about let's talk about the facts. I mean, you you cannot compare. Pre-Boris Yeltsin (laughs) Russia. You cannot compare Gorbachev's Soviet Union to... What has happened in reality today? The reality is you've got every major Western company investing in retail stores over there.
7: Because Everybody, money, but the wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait
0: a minute. But but I, I can tell you right now, we have black markets in in Chinatown up in Manhattan. We have.
2: Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 You cannot tell me. No, 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 no. Alan
2: Moore. I yeah.
3: yeah,
2: actually, I I, I, I so huh? huh? much.
3: Want to be with Denise on this? The problem is that when they they always had an artificial exchange rate with the rupel, and every time you it have was a,
0: artificially if inflated. You have, if
3: you have a bogus artificial rate, that's when black market shows up, and you see it all over the world. Um, right now, go go to to, uh, to Venezuela, for example, where they have these they have multiple artificial rates. And then there's the real rate. That's the black market rate. And if you really want products, you have to go there because they're not in the regular stores. And that's how it used to be in Russia. But when when the wall came down and they opened up their economy and their politics, they let the ruble float freely. And it was fairly stable. And all the oil and gas revenue to the government comes in in dollars. So they were swimming in dollars. They were buying gold. And the, the and and these stores we're talking about were showing up and rich people were going there. The stores started filling up again. I don't know what kind of black market continued to exist during that period, but you There's didn't vegetable. need you didn't need a black market to 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 get everything because you had a, a currency that was that had a real value to it. Now uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. They're trying to manipulate the currency. It's They haven't yet, which is why it plummets yeah, but, like it does.
0: Yeah, but we're, we're talking about, I mean, this – the Russian economy has fluctuated. They went through this five years ago in 2009. The economy seemed to recover, although artificially, by some accounts, it seems to have recovered to a point where it stabilized – but now what we're seeing, Dan Lipner, is unlike 2009 when there was a somewhat quick recovery through government inter- interactions, this seems like the government doesn't have a-, a card in the deck that they can play to unravel this economic meltdown. I mean, I'm, the the Russian economy has been
5: suspect for a while. The The, the working into the... The Siberian oil reserves, and also, mind you, Western companies that were doing the drilling, um, helped a lot. And that that was seen throughout a lot of the planet as far as countries with dictators or less than democratic processes that were buoyed by the the oil money flowing in. And thanks to the Obama shale oil work, um, oil prices have plummeted. Um, And he's gotten huge credit for that at the ballot box that we saw from the 2014 election. Um,
2: (laughs) So
6: so,
5: taking that into account and realizing that the Russian economy doesn't really have, it never really developed. It has not become more sophisticated. Russian exports, other than oil and gas, are nominal at best. Uh, I personally am kind of hurt that that Russian standard vodka, which I consider very good, um, is less gettable now. Um, but other than buying weapons on the uh, on the global market, it's not clear what else the Russian economy has to put out there and trade.
3: Which yeah. w- which uh, I was thinking about when you talked earlier, or this talk about the, the, the world between the wars and a country that that had an advanced economy and it was quite wealthy, wasn't sure what to do with it. The only the difference is the country you're talking about was making stuff these guys don't make anything oh, other, they, than, oil, they, other they, than oil and gas oil and, gas, and no. then and of course they've already sold off most of most of their their surplus mineral stocks that existed from the old period and mm-hmm. guys made millions of dollars by cornering the nickel market mm-hmm.
5: but the they think market but the they didn't like north korea as far as their ability to put arms out on the market uh, you have to trade.
0: Uh, uh, i agree uh, no, no. Interesting, they, interesting they don't points. Have much to sell to the world. Carl
6: no. I, I have to check with Alan on this on this fact. <clears throat> it, is it the oil production, the higher oil production from Russia, recent and not long-standing?
3: It's been around for a good while. They've, uh, they are. I think they're the number. They, they're now the number two producer after Saudi Arabia in the world. U.S. closing fast. <laughs> Although, and we'll talk maybe about oil later, the depressed prices hurt people like the Saudis, the the the, the folks with easy to get cheap oil. Back in oil, the fracking produced oil is more expensive to produce, and and the and the and the cost of oil matters. So if it gets too low, it slows down drilling, and and because if it costs you sixty five dollars a barrel. To get it out of the ground, and it's only worth fifty-five dollars a barrel. You don't need to be an economist to know you're not going to keep that up very long. Right.
0: Right. Well, with that, we're we're coming up on the on the on the back of the break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the latest coming out of Sydney, Australia, and the latest uh, out of Pakistan, and and the tragedies that hurt there, as well as a new found threat assessment regarding lone wolf attacks in the western hemisphere this is backroom politics live from shelley's backroom 1331 f street in the heart of our nation's capital washington dc we'll be back in four minutes stay with us you know here on backroom politics you hear us order drinks uh during happy hour the second hour of backroom politics live on blog talk radio But what you don't understand is the quality of the drink that we're getting here at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Backroom Politics Premier Sponsor. Hey, you got Dave Hammerly and the bar crew there at Shelley's Back Room that really know how to pour a drink, whether it's something simple like my on-air, Jack Daniels on the rocks with a splash of water, or... Whether it's something elaborate, like what has to be the best martini in the District of Columbia for Congressman Al Swift. Wine selection, scotch selection, that will blow your mind. They've got Highland scotches, they've got Isla sky scotches, blended single malts, anything you want. Port Wines to go with that great cigar from the great humidor. Down here at Shelley's back room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., Come on down, have a drink, and make some new friends. Or heck, just come on down and listen to Backroom Politics on Tuesdays. time. Now you hear us talk about Shelley's Back Room, thirteen thirty-one F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington D.C. It's being the place to be, America's premier cigar tavern, place to make new friends or visit old friends, or even have a lively political discussion like we do here on Back Room Politics. But what you may not know, Shelley's is the place for private parties. Shelley's Back Room is available to host events for groups of ten to two hundred and fifty. From cocktail receptions to sit-down dinners, Shelly's can provide custom menu options to suit your needs and budget. Although Shelly's is a smoke-friendly environment, Shelly's can make accommodations for non-smokers based on the side of your party, but heck, why would you want to? With a cigar menu like they have here, why would you even consider going smoke-free? Event pricing varies based on the time of the day of the week chosen for your event for more information on private parties at shelley's back room go to www.shellysbackroom.com private party shelley's back room the place to be as bob likes to say it it's also the place for private parties Back room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., in an apparently Grand Central Station moment here at Shelley's. Good lord. Uh we are we're gonna take it back a little bit though. We we do want to talk about uh two very disturbing situations right now uh that are occurring out uh outside our borders. Uh this morning around uh four a.m. A uh, Pakistan Taliban group launched an attack on a military school in uh, Peshawar province. As of right now, according to BBC sources, uh, there are 132 children dead. Nine adults have perished and dozens other that are currently being treated for various wounds as a result of this. It is a apparently, according to both AP and BBC, a uh, a serious serious uh, offensive being put on by the Pakistani Taliban in response to a effort by the Pakistani government to crush Taliban influence in the northern provinces, including that in Peshawar. Uh, number one, let's go to Alan Moore first, Alan. This is a very brazen, brazen attack on a school that was largely occupied by the children of Pakistani military leaders. It's If you're the Taliban, it's sending a message, but it also seems like this could hugely backfire because of the huge death toll of children at a school. Is this going to flux them at all?
3: You know, it's hard to see how it cannot. It, it, this is the this is the kind of thing, not to sound over dramatic here, that, that that could could be a Pakistani 9/11. 132 children killed. One teacher apparently lit on fire in front of the kids. Rumors of beheadings. I don't know about that, but we that haven't
0: confirmed scandal. that. That's correct. But this
3: is it, 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 killing 132 kids going around. One by one, uh, killing them is the kind of thing you don't get over. And when it's a political act, not the not the act of a crazy person, not that you ever get a, get over that either. But this is a group. This is a group taking credit for this absolutely monstrous act. And what you do, as you did in America after 9/11, is you unify people who aren't normally unified to say. We have to go find them and destroy them.
0: You know, it, it's, it's funny. Uh, according to BBC sources uh, that we're looking at, uh, strangely enough, the, the arch enemy of Pakistan, India, is now showing signs of solidarity to their Pakistani neighbors saying that we will do whatever it takes to help support Pakistani military in fighting the Pakistani Taliban in retaliation for the school. That's unheard of. Bob Hines, you've been around Washington, and you've seen Pakistan and, and India almost come to blows. This is a huge unification against the Taliban.
4: Well, and its its uh, it's stunning. But... We have to remind ourselves that the Northwest Territories is what they call the area where the Taliban has been so strong in, in uh, the Afghan border. That, uh, the government and the military in Pakistan have been uh, very friendly to the, um, uh, the people who've just attacked their children. They have given them a, cha- a place of safety. They've given, them, uh, they've given them free reign in the area And this is uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, a very, very serious problem. And it's probably changed for the benefit of long-term peace in, in the neighborhood, so to speak. It may be one of the best things that could have happened in the sense that it may make the Pakistani government and military, which is the same thing, it may help them to decide that they cannot... Have a relationship with these kinds of people, even when they're, you know, even if they have to go into that northwest to carry themselves and get move them out, because these people are just absolutely, uh, re- regrettably they will do anything.
0: Well, one one of the accounts coming from BBC is quoting uh, a uh, a student at the uh, at the school. Shashakura Khan, 17 years old, said a gunman had entered his classroom and opened fire at random. As he hid under the desk, according to BBC sources, he saw his friends being shot, one shot point-blank in the head, the other one shot point-blank in the chest, and two teachers were also killed at the same time. Dan Littner, at a time when even the American government had started at least looking at some sort of ceasefire talks with Taliban, this is going to throw all that away and could be the one event that could crush any support, both in the region or globally, for any sort of Taliban involvement in any government in that area. Good. Good. Uh,
5: yes. in an ideal world and it's entirely possible which the the way we do things as far as foreign policy in this country that we can screw it up however obviously this is a tragedy but it's also a moment of opportunity but this moment of opportunity needs to be left alone by us this is an opportunity within the Muslim world to, to define the extremists as people they do not want to be a part of their culture, their society at all. And we don't want this to become an east-west kind of thing. We want this to become an extremist, non-extremist kind of thing. So the fact that India has already reached out to Pakistan, that's great. And ideally, in the Muslim world, there will be the, the pushback that this is not Islam. This is not what we represent. This is not what the religion represents. This is not what the culture represents. And that could be the unify as Bob was saying and, and, and Alan as well. This could be the unifying factor, not just in Pakistan, but potentially throughout the Muslim world. And since we have seen um, with ISIL and also lone wolves in 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 Australia, but from Western countries, people joining with ISIL or other extremist groups that that test test your imagination why in the world you would want to go join these extremist groups. This has painted a picture of exactly who they are. And ideally, that will help change
6: the conversation. Carl Tooman. I also think that this is going to have an impact on uh, people who uh, want to join us or want to help out with the ISIL situation. Uh, I mean, what they've done with cutting off people's heads and killing people in villages and, and the whole thing is is not the same thing as killing children, but still it, it shows who they are and what they are. And to fill all these things together might bolster opposition to ISIL and to the Taliban.
0: You know, it, it's funny. Almost immediately, global leaders were coming out condemning this attack. Uh, President Barack Obama. Uh, this morning, said the terrorists had, quote, once again showed their depravity. Uh, U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon said it was a, quote, an act of horror and rank cowardice. Bob Hines, at a time when we're still trying to patch up uh, Pakistani-U.S. relationships after the, uh, the attack to get bin Laden, Uh, There's been a lot of stress there. There's been some uneasiness between the two capitals. But what we're seeing now almost is a government in Pakistan that might say, you know what, you're right, we've got to get rid of this. Could this help patch up with the solidarity against this attack? Could this patch up Pakistani-American relations, do you think?
4: Well, I think more than that, as, as Dan said and I said earlier, the fact of the matter is, this is such a horrendous thing and it, this is not to put it bluntly, not just a school of kids. This is a school and an area. This is an area and these these people who were killed, these young people, were the sons, mostly and daughters, but mostly the sons of the leadership of the Pakistani you know, elite, the, the military and the political world. And a lot of people who are very significant have had their families destroyed in many respects. So I think, as I think Zan does, that this is one of the, a great opportunity for a lot of people who are not Muslims to, to say to the Muslim world, we'll help you get these bad people. Com- but it's your, you, it's you, you, go, you go first, it's your problem, but we want to help you. These people are bad for everybody.
0: Congressman Al, uh, there are several. Uh, quote-unquote, terroristic networks that are involved in this part of Pakistan. You're talking about the Pakistani Taliban, the Punjabi Taliban, uh, al-Qaeda, the Haqqani network, which has been a target of American forces in the fight against ISIL and the Haqqani network in Syria and northwestern Iraq. Is this going to be enough to get a coalition globally together to not only take out al-Qaeda, not only take out the Taliban, but also look at the Haqqani network and even overflow into a global unification against ISIL.
1: Well, I think in trying to analyze what their reaction is going to be, we got to keep in mind we aren't them. And they have some different views, philosophical views, world views, than we do. And I think you make a mistake if you say, well, they're going to react exactly the way we've would and so forth and so on. Having, having said that, uh, I think that uh, what has been said here about trying to use this as an opportunity to be supportive of the moderate elements in that part of the world is, uh, is not to be passed up.
0: No, hold on, Denise Crap.
7: Right. We have different cultures, but when you kill the sun, and that's what they did, they killed the sons. they knew exactly what they were doing. They declared war. And the Pakistanis will go right back at them and it will be painful because you don't go after the sun.
3: Alan Moore. Yeah, I'm watching all of this <clears throat> I'm reflecting on uh yeah, the what what I'm what I'm thinking, acknowledging that I am not them, um and, and don't understand the, uh, the culture the way that that, that I might but, but don't. It's hard to believe. And he says you don't create this permanent fury towards these killers. And you also worry about what they're thinking of next. If they're willing to do this once, do they have other plans? What are they thinking about? And I'm reflecting again on 9-11 and the aftermath of 9-11 and the decisions made at that time to go get guys, find out what they're up to. Let me just suggest that even though I'm not from their culture, that if they catch Taliban leaders who they think are involved in this incident and possible future incidents, they're probably not going to sit them down and make friends with them because they think that's the best way to get new information
5: from them. Dan Lipner? Well, let me follow up on, the, on Bob's line of, uh, David about offering help. That's a dangerous thing because the, the reference point that we've all said is we aren't them. And them is not the terrorists or, or not the terrorists, we aren't a member of the culture, we are not Muslims, we are not that country. And as we saw from our, our attempts, even as nominal as they were, to, to assist in the, the attempted Green Revolution in Iran, as soon as Western fingerprints became part of it at all, it became an East versus West, and the Green Revolution lost credibility. At a certain point, you have to allow regions and cultures and countries to solve problems for themselves. But
0: Dan, but Dan Lipner, I mean, you're talking about a, a a government since Mushar, who has remained largely silent about the activities going on in the northeastern provinces of that country. It now seems that that has now backfired and has now gotten some unity Behind the military, the government is now stressing the fact that there's got to be some sort of retaliation
5: for that. Absolutely, and therefore they are working. They have now hit that crisis point, and they are are seeing a different approach. That their old approach was wrong, and even tolerating the extremists is a mistake. They can overreach, but this is their opportunity to work through Uh, the problem. I didn't didn't want to. I didn't
4: at, at all want. Say, and I don't think I did, that we should go in there and help them, quote unquote. You know, get in there. I'm just, what I said was, this is an opportunity for the world, in effect, and all the Muslim world, and we, if we can support them in some way, fine, what they, whatever they want from us, but this is an
6: opportunity not
4: to be missed.
0: Carl okay. Tubin.
6: Unfortunately, at some point, they're going to turn to us for, uh, for training, for, for munitions, for all kinds of things. And that's
3: the where, that's when we should go in and open. Alan Moore, I, I agree with Carl. I think there are things we can do from a distance, yes. including um, uh, intelligence, intelligence techniques, uh, intelligence material, and so on. They we we already give them a couple of billion dollars a year. They are full of our planes and our tanks and our and our training. But we don't we don't give them everything we have. And if we have some special intelligence gathering techniques that can help them, we will offer them and we will stand apart, I think. We're not, we're, 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 we're going to have. No uh, boots on the ground. ground. No boots <laughs> so, And no
0: fingerprints. So, uh,
7: let me just go a step farther than what Alan said. You know, if, if, if they catch any of the folks that they suspect that did this, they're not going to interrogate them. They're going to kill them. And um, that's going to be very interesting. I mean, historically and i'm going to go back to the ottoman empire um the new head of the ottoman empire i don't know if you guys knew this uh the day the father died the brothers were all killed and you killed them because you didn't want to have um anybody else challenge your power it's very family dominated and in this case very similar you have killed the heirs when you kill the heir at war. We're not, well, we're, uh, trust me, we're not going to have to go into Pakistan. You're going to kill them for us. Well, Bob Hines. That's what's about
0: to happen. Bob Hines? No. I, I Congressman Al, you had your hand up. <clears throat> yes, but I think
1: uh, what, what Denise just said uh, is, is very important. But I do think, to the extent that they might at some point ask for our assistance in some form, I think we would be very smart to be sure that that request is very high profile, that it is coming from them, and that we should respond as as, as publicly as we can. We are responding to their request so that we don't hopefully get uh, tagged with uh, messing around in their business.
5: Dan Lipner. I actually disagree with Congressman Now. In, in this case, I would actually say the, the keeping as low key as possible, and in addition to that, Actually pulling back on our drone strikes, not only in in Afghanistan and Pakistan, but globally. Whatever possible to take our fingerprints off this fight. Uh, any kind of back-channel assistance with intelligence, great. For a- assistance with ammunition and equipment, fine, even though it, you can't um, miss it. It's made in the USA. I, Congress, like, now. Uh, congressman Al. You know,
1: I, I agree with you. What I was trying to say is, if we get into a position where they are asking us for help, do we say no? We won't help you. I mean, that's it gets really dicey. And it seems to me the way you try to smooth that over is make sure everybody knows they asked for it. Uh, if you, if we can avoid that and do what you suggest, that's a superior. I, I got
0: to tell you, I I, I don't Depending think I y- y- yeah. right, but I. But I, I I I don't think at this stage right now it's possible to keep it very low key. There's going to have to be some sort of it, it, the Pakistani government is going to have to reach out globally. When you're getting the support of your arch enemy, India, and there's reach out saying yes, we we do need your help in fighting this. There's some even possible cross border interactions going on between the northeastern provinces and uh, Peshawar province, and India. You've got another situation where you have all the Western and even largely the Muslim leaders of the moderate Muslim countries saying, look, this is something that has gotten a foul of us. This is something that needs to be public. They need to know about it publicly. I don't think we're going to be able to keep it as low-key as one would expect in other situations like this. Hold on, hold on. Congressman out first, then then Carl.
1: I, I, I just... Think that what we've discussed is here is several different things that might occur and several different solutions to those, and we'll have to we'll have to decide what is the right thing to do when we know what the situation is. Carl Tooman.
6: I can. I almost bet my last dollar that the president has already told the CIA and other other agencies, uh, in security. <clears throat> Uh,
0: to, to cooperate with uh, Pakistan, anything that they need. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's probably some interaction going on. I mean, let's be honest, the ISI, the intelligence service in Pakistan, hasn't exactly been a great ally in the war against Muslim extremists. That may change. I think that there's going to be a definitive change. Between the interaction that we see between the two capitals, Uh, ISI, I think is going to be told by Pakistani government leaders, "Hey, it's a new day. We got to clean this mess up." Dan Lipner. No,
5: absolutely. And this is well to nobody around this table will be shocking, but to some Americans, it will be. Other countries have domestic politics too, and in, (laughs) in, in in this in this case that allowing that shakeup to occur, which it now has, and the the East versus West, didn't, and as I understand how it's seen, that anything that is Muslim is good, anything that is Western is bad. And the extremists took the Muslim ban- banner and said, this is what it is. Now they have redefined their brand. And allowing just the Pakistanis and the Afghanis, the, as we've seen in, in Syria and Iraq, the allowing that to play out without us touching it, which is why I mentioned the the Green Revolution in Iran. We did publicly support the protesters, and that started to cause problems within their ranks because all of a sudden... The, the enemy of my enemy is my friend,
0: and we are not well thought of amongst the street in some of these regions. But the same thing could be said about the interaction between Pakistan and India. You don't get any more mortal enemy-ish. Than that relationship, and they're now actively working together, apparently, in some sort of effort to do away with the Muslim extremists up in the north eastern quadrant of that country. True, but I can I think I can say safely, looking around this
5: table, none of us have ever had any influence with the Indian government.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> But, Alan Moore, this brings, up, this brings up a good segue as we go into the next segment, which we're going to talk about the situation that happened down in Sydney that's having ramifications here in uh, the U.S. domestically. Uh, you would think that at a time when Muslim extremists and organizations such as ISIS, ISIL, whatever you want to call them, the Haqqani Network, uh, that are starting to see gains in that region— and more and more individual support for their efforts. Something like this could take them back, as far as having some sort of influence to gain more support for their mission. It's a this is a big deal.
3: This is a huge deal. I think what we don't we don't understand uh, exactly how Taliban works. You know, there's this great temptation. Uh, that to think that the Taliban is some monolithic organization with a hierarchy and, and it's not. It's, we
0: said the same thing about
3: ISIL. It's, it's disparate. It's got pieces all over, and it's got independent actors. And it's and, and I think what you what you likely have here is some people who said the the Pakistanis were after us. We're going to strike them in a way that will be so hard and so painful that they they will cower and draw back and not do this again. Making what I think, what we all tend to think is a huge miscalculation that it's driving all these other forces together, unifying them to say, we are going to get those blankety blanks and and all hell is likely to break loose. Going forward, it's an opportunity for unification in the region. It's an opportunity for us, if we don't mis- misplay our hand in, uh, in the
0: West and not
3: misplay our hand, to be supportive and cooperative and, at a distance. And, and, by
0: the way, for. and by the way, don't be surprised if we start seeing drones being launched from India and from Pakistan into the region.
3: And And, and with somebody in a room saying to his Pakistani counterpart. Okay, put your hand on this button. I'll tell you when to press it. Ready? Ready? Now. Press it.
0: Possibilities. Possibilities. With that, we're going to take a quick break. It's stop of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk about the situation that happened in Sydney, Australia, over the past 24 hours, and the ramifications it has for domestic policies here in the U.S. This is Backroom Politics Live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We will be back in four minutes. Stay with us. You know, here on Backroom Politics, you hear us order drinks uh, during happy hour, the second hour of Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. But what you don't understand is the quality of the drink that we're getting here at Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Backroom Politics premier sponsor, hey, you got Dave Hammerly and the bar crew there at Shelly's back room that really know how to pour a drink. Whether it's something simple like my on-air Jack Daniels on the rocks with a splash of water. Or whether it's something elaborate like what has to be the best martini in the District of Columbia for Congressman Al Swift. Wine selection, scotch selection that will blow your mind, they've got... Island scotches, they've got Isla sky scotches, blended, single malt, anything you want. Port wines to go with that great cigar from the great humidor. Down here at Shelly's Back Room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Come on down, have a drink, and make some new friends. Or, heck, just come on down and listen to Back Room Politics on Tuesdays. time. And we're back here live at Shelley's Back Room, thirteen thirty-one F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Back Room Politics on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, uh, we're going to uh, switch topics a little bit here, but we're going to talk about what happened uh, over the past twenty-four hours in Sydney, Australia, where a uh, a lone a lone wolf gunman, according to many sources. Uh, entered into a cafe in the central district of Sydney where uh he proceeded to take um several hostages and hold them for approximately 17 hours uh the the gunman has been identified as uh Haran Monis, a known uh radical a known uh, criminal in Australia, and uh, Heron Munis then proceeded to kill two individuals, a 38-year-old attorney, mother of three, and a 32-year-old manager at the Lint Cafe. Australian police then raided the Lint Cafe and took custody of the situation Uh, But after all was said and done, it left several people injured, three dead, including the the two civilians and Mm -hmm. Munis, uh, who was brought out. And it started an entire situation of now we have to look at lone wolf attacks in the Western world. Uh, Bob Hines, when when we look at Manus, who, by the way, was a known uh Islamic radical self-proclaimed he was never associated with anything like ISIS or ISIL or al-Qaeda or the Haqqani network or even Tamil Tigers which is a prevalent uh Islamic radical group in that region he was just basically a lone wolf that said you know what death to non-muslims and took these hostages are we in, the, in an age right now where that could be the new terroristic threat versus what we saw on 9-11, perhaps.
4: Well, uh, I think that because, because of the person he was, as you described him, you know, there are people like this in the world. We all know that. There are people who are deranged in one way or another or have a, a feel that they have been somehow put upon or, or treated badly or... Something and they're going to they're going to do something violent. There's 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 plenty of opportunity around, and you can't. It's probably impossible to stop that kind of thing completely because you're always going to find some loony tunes. And I think he was one of those loony tunes. Rather than any, uh, it appears he's not in in any way part of an organized group or or, or, uh, cult or anything else.
0: But Dan Lipner. Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott asked the question, and it's, it's, a, it's a valid question, could this have been prevented? We're now finding out through several sources, including BBC, Australian Broadcasting, and the AP, that this guy Monas was in fact wanted in Iran, was wanted as far back as 1996, but Australia failed to extradite him to Iran, fearing that he would get an, an Iranian death penalty. Are we now going to start second-guessing a lot of these extradition or even some of these international treaty situations involving some of these countries like Iran, Pakistan, uh, Afghanistan, and as such, to prevent another attack like this?
5: Um, the answer is probably yes. Let me go back in history a little bit. Uh, there, There was a defector a few years ago, well be, before my time, but not beyond the time of everyone at the table, uh, who, who, who went to a country ages, who was... Ageism, ageism, oh age, yes. I, 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 let's I, 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 I am respecting the... the, the, the I'm the, joking. Not, not just the seasoning, but the seasons you have seen.
2: Yes. Um, great.
5: And
6: uh,
5: this person actually sought to become an agent of this hostile government, but was deemed... A little too unstable and too crazy, even for them. Um, that maybe hostile governments occasionally have ideas on who they're dealing with and who they're not. That crazy person I'm talking to about was Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. The KTP said, he's too nuts for us. No, whatever. You want to be a Russian, that's fine, but you're not. You're not. You're not teaming up with us. Uh, in this case, in Australia, I think it's very much the same thing. Um, in this case, it, it, while it is a horrific act, I think it's a lone gun, gunman who wants to be a crazy person with a with a cause. Uh, the cause was the cause of the moment, and that would be the Muslim extremists. But he was going to act regardless of what it was, as as, as I understand the facts, um, at least as we know them. I believe he's also wanted in the in potential murder of his wife. I mean, he is not. This is not a good guy.
0: Well, this is a guy who has at least thirty one different charges of sexual assault uh, uh, assault with uh, deadly intentions, which is a charge in australia uh, and and several other incidents of uh, sexual indecency and violence against individuals. Is, is
1: there any evidence that he is connected in any way with any terrorist
0: Well, that's the question that comes up you know this this is a apparently a lone gunman. Uh, who has been australia who 's been on Australian criminal justice radar for a while uh, this is a guy though that during the course of the hostage taking put up several ISIS flags in the window being held by the hostages he was self proclaimed nobody 's claiming him on the back end alan moore
3: he he seems like a total net job. And all the evidence available so far is that he was was acting alone. In terms of what the government of Australia might have done, I don't think they have to apologize for not, without due process, sending a guy back to Iran. What they have to figure out is how they explain somebody with his record of being involved in the murder of an ex-wife for which he... I I think even uh, has a suspended sentence, and he was out on bail. Plus charges of assault. Plus this grotesque behavior of sending ugly letters to families of Australian servicemen who died in in uh, in Afghanistan. I mean, this is a guy who needed to be locked up, probably put into the mental wing of their of their penal system. Would, and throwing away the key, they are the ones who have explaining to do. It's not that, gee, if only we'd sent them to Iran and they would have killed him. No, 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 no. But, but it, there's it, there's a whole lot of questioning going it, on it right seems, now in Australia about their own rules relating to bail and and. Uh, uh, I
0: understand and, that, but it, it, it seems to me to defend the Australian criminal justice system and the Australian government and Tony Abbott's government. It, it, you can, we can armchair quarterback this thing all day long. <clears throat> if, if the Florida Highway Trooper that pulled over one of the 9-11 suspects had, in fact, stopped that individual, could that have prevented 9-11? If we had seen some of the traits and some of the characteristics of the 9-11 attackers, could we have prevented 9-11? We can do that all day long. The reality is, is we didn't. And is it fair to say that we now have to take a whole new look at our criminal justice system as a result of it? Well,
3: everybody who's looking at this inside Australia and in America around this table or on American news shows is asking the same question. Given this guy's history, why was he out? That's the question. I don't have the answer to that. I don't, but it's not unique to me. People all over Australia are asking that well, question. Well, according
0: to the Australian Broadcasting Corp- uh, Corporation, uh, they are saying that there are several ministers inside the Australian government, that as, as announced it is investigating why Morris was released on bail, involving his 2013 charge of being an accessory to the murder of his ex-wife and the uh, 40 sexual and indecent. Assault charges that were still actively pending against this individual, <clears throat> Dan Lipner. Right. And that's the thing.
5: That's the big danger. If we magnify this and make it into something it is not, and allow this lone gunman to or lone wolf to to claim the mantle of this global political. Battle that is going on with the with, with the extremists. We are creating a problem, at least in this case. That I agree with Alan. That probably isn't there. He would have he would have grabbed on to whatever the issue or the crazy at the moment that was available. The fact that he that he is claiming the ISIL banner, which I believe he even asked for in his ransom yeah. Because he was so unprepared, this would suggest to me he is not truly a member, but for lack of a better phrase, a Johnny Come Lately hopping on the bandwagon, and but, he 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 has he, without without what he has caused is nightmarish to the Australians and to the victims of the of of the attack.
0: But it's it's gone even further than that, though Alan Moore, where this guy has in fact now sparked NYPD and several other major urban uh, law enforcement uh, authorities to increase its patrols regarding possible terrorist and lone wolf attacks. The FBI is now contemplating a new heightened threat level here in America as a result of this, that this could actually cross the Pacific and come and affect us here. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean Is that we, the we, right we, move or are we becoming a paranoid I, nation?
3: I don't know what information the FBI has, but I do know this that, that in the, what you've got is in, in, in a couple of days here, uh the Sydney case, which had a lot of visibility because they had live television cameras and they speak English there, so we could we could we could fill the airwaves with reports of it. And then we've got this grotesque barbarism in Pakistan. They're both done by in the in the name of Muslim uh, extremism, gravity. and what what happens is you 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 worry about, and you know this from from your law enforcement days. You worry about copycat activity, right? You worry about crazy nut jobs who are wandering around, whatever their 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 real beliefs are, saying. Whoa! Look at this. Maybe I. Maybe now's my chance. I got to make my move. I got to go into a school and shoot it up. I got to go take some hostages somewhere. I don't care if I die. Um, so, I, I, but but having said that, the the we're talking about the unique facts of the guy in Sydney because he had this bizarre history, and we're trying to And by the, the way, but, but but I'm remembering the Fort Hood shooter, who. He was a, a he. He was the, the the scarier kind of lone wolf because it wasn't like one could. We, we missed some some signals with him, but it wasn't like we could say why the heck wasn't he even locked up and in jail. We it's easy to say that about the Sydney but, guy. But, from by
0: the way, this guy Monas was given refugee status as coming from Iran, fearing fearing political prosecution for his ideals, and it was bestowed upon him by the Australian government. Is that going to, cause not only Australia but the American government to look at how we do refugee status
3: we, we not that si- simple case we all these all western governments who take refugees and uh, are constantly reviewing their their process screening people uh, doing the very best they can to create an objective process that's truly reflective of the values of that country and sometimes sometimes mistakes are made at the front end. Sometimes people fool the system. But, but we take in tens of thousands a year. It's not, and I don't know, Australia has probably got a pretty big number, too. You're going to get an oddball from time to time. Um, and its But it's not because they came in as refugees. It's because they're oddball crazy people. Carl Toobin. You
6: know, it would seem to me that because of... because of uh, Australia, because of Pakistan, because of ISIL and what ISIL has threatened to do, they want to come to the United States, they want to do harm to us here, that all of our constituent groups, uh, whether it be immigration, FBI, CIA, uh, and whatever else we have, are tightening up their situations and getting ready for this. I mean, there was a thing on the uh, TV, That uh, uh, you know they're,
0: they're, they feel a threat of a possible another 9/11 situation. Well, that was regarding the Sony attacks. That's a North Korea yeah. thing, but yeah. th- that's a whole other story. But what what we have to look at, Congressman Al, is the possibility that now the U.S. government has to take a serious look. You, you're talking about increasing patrols, increasing heightened awareness. Are we at a point after Times Square, after the Fort Hood shooting? Now with what's going on in Sydney, are we in fact living in a new day and age where the lone wolf is going to be our biggest threat and we have to constantly be vigilant about that?
1: I think our biggest threat (coughs) is and will continue to be a, a, a uh, an attack, an organized attack by organized terrorists, and it almost seems to me we make it need to make a distinction between that kind of thing, a 9/11 kind of thing, uh, and these other things which are crazy people. Uh, if, if they weren't triggered by uh, by all this Muslim problem uh they, they they might be triggered by something else
0: yeah but but Bob,
1: so, but but the, dis, the distinction i think we need to make and both are very very important but one is essentially a police problem although it need federal government, and it involves uh, immigration and all of that, too. But it's essentially a police problem. But, but and, and the other is not a police problem. That is part of a global war, and uh, it should be handled and approached totally differently.
0: But Bob Hines, you know, after 9-11, President Bush said, you know, the best thing we can do to fight them is go back business as usual. Prime Minister Tony Abbott was a great face for the Australian people. And it's it, it's amazing to see in the aftermath of this, the Australian people have largely gone back to business as usual, even during this time of mourning. But it seems that business as usual is a constantly changing dynamic in how not only Americans, but a lot of our Western allies are having to deal with the increased movements of Islamic radicals. So
4: the reality is that's true. You're are okay. we
0: living even in this post 9/11 where our lives change forever? Are we constantly going to have to adjust?
4: I what one. is the new
0: norm? Yes.
4: The, the new norm is to be alert. If, if we should have. Well, I'm sure we we sort of learned that at two eleven, not 9/11. <laughs> but the reality is this this kind of situation is going to be a continuing problem across the across the globe. It just it's not going to stop. These there are some people who are just determined, and they're going to do it. They're going
0: to Dan Lipner,
5: I, I'm reminded by the 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 phrase that Benjamin Franklin used, uh, refer, uh, referring to issues and how you respond to these things, and the, and, and I'm paraphrasing. Those who unreasonably forsake liberty for security deserve neither. And the danger is with this situation and all of these situations combined is saying we will stop this whatever the cost. But that's not really true. Uh, also, in this same period of time, if not too in or not too distant memory, Sandy Hook happened. Absolutely no hint of international terrorism involved. Yet, most certainly, it was terror to everyone who was involved. So when you're talking about the lone wolves, they're going to happen. Regardless of whatever their political bent might be, it will happen. I am all in favor of security agencies doing whatever possible to stop, the, to stop international attacks that are actually brought on by foreign governments. But brought on domestically or lone wolves, just as Congressman Al said, it is a law enforcement issue. It is not a, a reinvestigating everything we've done in the past. It is law enforcement.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it's 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 going to be an interesting situation. We're going to continue to monitor this, and obviously, with uh, everybody being on a heightened state of alert right now, it's going to take uh, it's going to take some uh, observance to keep going after. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Cromnibus bill. Where we're going to get a little bit lighthearted here. We're going to talk about what exactly happened, who the winners and losers are, and what exactly happened. This is Backroom Politics Live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We'll be back in three minutes. Stay with us. You know, for those who listen to Backroom Politics and know about Shelley's Backroom... They think of it as some sort of cigar bar where politicians go to smoke their cigars and drink their martinis. Actually, what you don't know about Shelley's Back Room, Shelley's Back Room has one of the greatest menus in the city. I kid you not. You've got the campfire wings. Famous campfire wings. One pound of roasted, not fried, seasoned, marinated jumbo chicken rings served with their own special honey mustard sauce. Folks, if you like chicken wings, you've never had the campfire wings. Best wings in the city, bar none, I guarantee If you don't like it, Al, you can call us up and tell us that you don't like it. Uh, You have daily specials. Come down on a day when they have the Justin Chicken Sandwich. The sandwich named after me, breaded chicken breast, provolone cheese, Thick-cut bacon on a Kaiser roll, served with a honey mustard sauce. Folks, it doesn't get more artery-clogging than that, but it is worth it. Come down to Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. The premier sponsor of backroom Politics. Live at Shelley's back room, thirteen thirty-one F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington D.C. This is Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, hey, we're going to change, we're going to change course here a little bit and talk about the Coronavirus bill, the funding bill that was passed by the House and the Senate. <laughs> ironically, took it up, and it seems to have bought us about another ten months of funding for the government, which continues to operate on numbers dating back to 2006. The reality is, we have a situation now where the bus Bill, which ironically had strange bedfellows in this whole thing. Uh, one of the big ones was, you had radical left-wing Democrats, i.e. Elizabeth Warren and Nancy Pelosi, siding with ideologically crazy right-wing party people i.e. Ted Cruz, and it just became an odd, odd dynamic in Washington. Uh, Bob Hines, in a million years, could you have seen the people who went against it as being the far left and the far right, that actually it was the silent majority middle of the road people that got this done? Well,
4: Isn't it nice to realize that there is a middle ground, and it's it's a majority? (laughs) That's the best news we have.
0: Uh, Alan Moore, what what struck you as being odd the way this all went down?
3: Actually, not a whole lot. Really? Um, nope. Um, and let, let's let's define this term because it shows up now and it gets used, and people don't understand what cromnibus means. So, cr is it means continuing resolution, right. where you basically take old law and push it into the future. An omnibus appropriations bill usually refers to when you join together a bunch of otherwise unpassed appropriations bills that didn't move through the normal process, jump, bunch them together, and you have an omnibus bill. This thing is kind of a hybrid. It's part, as you reflected, as you said, old stuff being pushed forward. But there's lots of changes. It's not just continuing last but year, it's not really, year. But it's not so really an, an
0: omnibus. So, well, it, no, it's no, it is. Really...
3: There's, oh, no, it is. There's 11... Different appropriations bills yeah. here, lots and lots of new law and new things in there. But
0: they pulled out DHS funding so in retaliation for. this
3: could be five bills. It doesn't have to be all the bills. It's just whatever hasn't been done. Fair if enough.
0: More than one,
3: two bill, two appropriations. We'll give you an omnibus? To make an omnibus. So fair enough. So they, but nobody ever seen the word cromnibus before. But because it's it's so much based on pushing, pushing, pushing forward, it's we got this new word that nobody ever defines. It so. That's kill it. You get I don't down, like that you, word. You, what, 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 it didn't surprise me that that a couple of the liberals said there's a few things in here we can't stomach and we're make a big issue and we're going to talk about them. So it's a 1.1 trillion trillion dollar uh, collective bill and they're looking at little provisions that cost literally a few million dollars and 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 elevating them. On the other, that's the on the on the on the Democratic side, really two issues they didn't like. On the on the on the Ted Cruz Mike Lee side, they wanted to defund Obamacare and to somehow defund the the president's amnesty program. Two things that are not really doable. They were ready to shut down the government over it. Uh, probably Elizabeth Warren would have been ready to shut down the government. Nancy Pelosi was walking a narrow line. She wanted to say, "I'm with you uh, and those in the party uh, who support Elizabeth Warren on this." Messing around with Dodd-Frank, one of the, the signature accomplishments um, in the minds of, of the, the left, of the Obama administration, and a piece of, 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 of law dealing with political contributions to, to political parties, something we've talked around this table a little right. bit about, those were the two big issues small stuff. Certainly not something to sh- risk shutting down government over. So Nancy Pelosi tries to walk this narrow line saying to her people, I'm going to vote against it. I don't like it. And she was well, several- She was furious with the White House. But she also said to her colleagues in the caucus, if you feel like you want to vote for this, uh, I'm not going to object. And her deputy, Steny Hoyer, was in the lead saying, we got to do this. It's as good as we're going to get.
0: Go ahead, Carl Tubin.
6: One thing this thing shows is that here Elizabeth Warren is given a a role in the leadership of the Senate, and she proved that she can still be an outsider and talk about Dodd-Frank and talk about banks and this, that, and the other, as well as be the, in, in the leadership group, which is... Uh, which is something that hasn't been done in this town for a long
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Moore? Yeah,
3: come on, come on, come on. This this leadership group thing is total horse Menor. manure leave behind. Okay? It, Pucky. It, 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 it's like, oh, my gosh, we got to bring Elizabeth in. Let's create a phony, new, nothing job in the leadership and say, Oh look, we brought Elizabeth Warren, and she's now part of the leadership. Yeah, not, but but not, but it also not, it also it, and, it also and they did got the same thing with Mark Warner, but th- but the more it also got senator from Virginia. Add everybody in. It's not
7: like they don't. But Alan, it chance. also
0: it, it 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 also caused a problem in heartburn inside their own leadership. Steny Hoyer was completely on the other side of the track from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, you had Surprise. Boehner and Hoyer Surprise. working the floor as opposed to Boehner and Pelosi working the floor, right. Congress for now, that's a huge dynamic change in what you would expect from the quote-unquote leadership of the Democrats in Congress.
1: Yes, it was. Well, I, and, and and I hope we get to where we can talk a little bit about what leadership does to you and what those who don't have leadership positions feel they're able to do. Uh, and I want me to talk about that? No, with- go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Nancy Pelosi has done a very good job over the last few years of keeping the left wing of the Democratic Party kind of under some control. Now that's always been a strange role for her because she is part of the left wing of the Democratic Party. But you look at John Boehner. I remember when he first came. He was he was he was pretty radical, pretty right wing, pretty you know, as a freshman, uh he, he he raised hell. And then he became a chairman of a committee. And he moderated significantly, passed an education bill for George Bush that he did with Teddy Kennedy, and as as the Speaker, he has been very moderate, because being Speaker, you've also got the responsibility to get something done, and so was Nancy Pelosi. But when Elizabeth Warren came along, she kind of went to the left of Nancy Pelosi, which really put Nancy in a difficult position with her natural constituency. Uh, Boehner's had some of the same problem. So the difference between Nancy Pelosi and Elizabeth Warren is one's got to get something done and the other one doesn't. And I think the way Nancy handled it was not particularly skillful, but uh, but she 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 had to do. But
0: Bob Hines, when we look at John Boehner, you know, going off of what Al was saying, John Boehner was largely looked at as a very right-wing, conservative member of Congress prior to his ascension into leadership. It almost seems that John Boehner himself has almost grown into the role of, of, of speaker and minority majority leader as the head of party in the House. He's realized that, wait a minute, leadership does include the fact that I got to strike deals. Far cry from where he was is just a seated senator from Ohio, or a seated congressman from Ohio, and he
1: grew into yeah. it. He grew into it naturally. Yeah. It's it's not a flip flop or anything. Right. It's just that when you're when you're in when charge, you're in that charge, you got gotta
4: You gotta have control. results. And the reality is that he tries to find
1: ways to ha- get results. And Nancy Pelosi was doing the same thing. Yeah. And this really forced her into a awkward position, and uh, and we'll see how she deals with it uh, coming out.
0: But Dan but Dan Littner, in a, in a time when we're looking at, you know, the Democrats should be creating allies in support of the anonymous bill, uh, the Democrats allowed several pieces. One that's got labor all upset is this $2 billion pension forgiveness to UPS that's got every labor union now up at arms saying how do you let this go? How do you forgive payment into a pension fund? It seems that this crime bus bill hasn't made a lot of friends outside the Capitol.
5: Well which which is why <laughs> shockingly and the other the other the, the other portion that's also out there is the public the public uh turning your back on leadership. Nancy Pelosi publicly and vocally Speaking out against the White House and the president, uh, whipping up votes uh, on on the Democratic side and on the Republican side. I mean, Ted Cruz is a different beast. Uh, Ted Cruz is the I, I'm not even certain calling him Tea Party is correct. That's really his own party. His own party. But the the managing to alienate the the wings of both parties created something interesting. And while well, labor is absolutely part of this, but the larger part, and this is what is still fascinating, and I want to keep drawing people's attention to, there's a remarkable parallel between Elizabeth Warren and Rand Paul. The exact same issue seen from different perspectives, and that would be the deregulation of derivatives trading and with, with, with the backing of taxpayer money and the FDIC money. Um, that Elizabeth Warren was railing against. Rand Paul has spoken against, not quite as loudly, but he's also spoken on the issue of crony capitalism, that there is a world at play here. And so there's there's red politics, there's blue politics, there's also green politics. And the Democrats that broke ranks, the Washington Post did a great little piece on this, noting the Democrats that broke ranks were also the largest takers from Wall Street. Uh <laughs> That there's a mysterious cor- uh, correlation, correlation. between between that.
4: You find it so, mysterious.
5: So <laughs> th- there is some fascinating politics out there that actually seems to represent the frustration of of the activists, the the informed activist base. I'm going to carve that out. The informed activist base of both parties that don't feel like they're being heard, but we're close to being heard on these votes. Carl Tubin
6: <clears throat> You know, the, the, um, the interesting thing I think is that this one section I can't section, hear you, one section of the Dodd Frank bill that they took out in seven sixteen was all about derivatives and how how it, it grows back to the banks that they can set up, you know, stock selling and, and, and all that which which we we got them out of that business. Uh Five six years ago, or, not for, or whatever Dodd Frank was uh, was passed, and you know, again, as was Warren said, you take the chance of having another bank situation where we might have to bail out the banks again, and and the Dodd Frank legislation was so that we wouldn't have to deal with the banks. Now, I know that businessmen were, have been um, very angry at Dodd-Frank because of all the paperwork and all the investigations that have come because of Dodd-Frank. But um, it was very interesting. I I was for Dodd-Frank, but I was also for a a um, the advanced funding of, of uh, the Veterans Administration, 215 and 216. So I was in a situation where I was asked by one of the appropriations people to make phone calls and to rip people as far as the thing were concerned, and, which which I did gladly. But it was just the whole thing was yours.
0: Alan Moore. Yeah,
3: Elizabeth Warren's a really interesting uh, person. She's obviously very bright, but she's also extraordinarily political. She bashes moneyed interests Millionaires and billionaires are words that are always together every time she makes a reference to all of to all of their power The provision that so exercised her in Dodd-Frank is one That was in another piece of legislation earlier this year that passed by it out of the house with a with a pretty healthy bipartisan vote Um, No one talks about that and then this time around it, it, it was uh, included in there, and people talked to Barney Frank and said, Barney, well, how do you feel about this? He said, you know, that provision was not critical to the original Dodd-Frank. Um, it, it doesn't make that much difference from a policy standpoint if that particular change occurs. I opposed doing it because I'm worried that we'll start continuing to unravel other
0: the sweater starts to come important apart
3: pieces of Dodd-Frank But the damage of this particular provision, small stuff. All of which reminds me that Elizabeth Warren is loving being the darling of the left of the party, and her longer-term objectives are more and more interesting as time passes. But
0: but it's funny you bring that up, though, uh, Alan, because it it, it almost seems right now that we're starting to see – a very big divide, even within the parties, where we see uh, the, the the Ted Cruz side of the right start to pull away from the traditional party, and even the Elizabeth Warrens starting to pull away and go oddly, strangely far left. Congressman Al, that's, that's something to take note of. Yes, it is, except I,
1: <clears throat> I really don't think that... Comparing Elizabeth Warren with uh, Ted, Cruz. Ted Cruz is quite right. She's not as far off on the left as he is off on the right. And she has more support from the left wing, I think, than he does from the right wing. But as
0: as Alan pointed out, she's the new darling even more so than we'd say Hillary Clinton.
1: Agreed. But what I, the point I was making is that I think that you still have a far right in, 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 in legitimate far right of the Republican Party, who who does not embrace Ted Cruz, whereas uh, Elizabeth Warren hasn't got to that point.
0: Oh, hold on, Alan, yeah. Dan Littner first. Well,
5: I I don't think Elizabeth Warren is far left. She is more traditional Democrat, democratic, which is the meat and potatoes working class issue. And it's part of the reason, at least in my opinion, why she's not running for president, because her brand has been remarkably consistent on dealing with economic issues that matter to regular people on any given day. She hasn't talked about gay rights in any meaningful way. She hasn't talked about immigration. I have no doubt she votes with the liberal wing on those issues. The only thing she has really spoken on consistently and voc- vocally and loudly is economic issues. And I think that probably
1: Teddy Roosevelt is cheering from his grave.
5: <laughs> I would absol- absolutely agree, and ha- I'm sure you've met him, so...
2: it's if- <laughs> <laughs> Moore. more. Yeah, yeah I... <laughs> <laughs> how do you tell they, that they, one?
3: Speak, they speak regularly. You know, <laughs> um... But uh, no, no, I certainly I, I wouldn't draw I wouldn't try to draw a parallel between those two, and I didn't intend to. I would say this that she excites the 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 that maybe the twenty per twenty twenty five percent left turn edge of the Democrats and gets them really fired up, um, and Cruz uh, fires up twenty to twenty five percent of the Republican base. In a in a big emotional way, but beyond, but how they do it and where they stand, relatively speaking, and what their tactics very well. are, very very different. But it's but 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 he clearly has got a following, she clearly has a following, and I don't dispute Dan's point that she's representing the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party. It's just that that in so many words, it's just that <laughs> that. Uh, we're,
0: we're, that no, no no wait hold on let me ask that question. I want to ask this question. Side of the party. Hold, hold on, let me ask this question. It has. Has the Democratic Party, as we know it today, morphed away from what we would look at as traditional democratic values? Yes. <laughs> I wasn't asking. You was asking Alan Moore. I'll get to well, you next. He
5: knows.
3: He, I'm not really from that religion. And he, he's more the expert no, I'll than get to him.
0: Am, I'll get so to him in a second. I would, so, uh, I would defer, you
3: know, I would defer to if there were a, if there were somebody from Pakistan here, I would defer to them on how Pakistanis think, and I would refer to our Democratic friends on how the Democrats think. Congress, I really, really don't begin to understand it. Congressman Al. He hasn't been gone that long, but what is the real difference between Elizabeth Warren and Ted Kennedy?
1: He he stood for those things. Now, Ted Kennedy also, just because he was a Kennedy, had a responsibility as well, and I think uh, he handled that well, uh, and she hasn't got the same stature
5: at the present time. Dan Lipner. Uh, I agree and disagree. Ted Kennedy, because the Kennedys were around forever in politics, um, stood for everything that were the Democratic ideals. They were also a wealthy family. Um, there, there are no bootstraps in the in, in the Kennedy family. I doubt there were boots in the Kennedy family. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, riding uh, yeah, unless it, it they're it <laughs> for writing. <laughs> really, um, really.
6: Uh, and,
3: and, Eddie right. Bauer and the top of the line from Eddie Bauer, too. Right.
5: You know, so, uh, however, the uniqueness of Elizabeth Warren is, uh, I said it before, the, the protecting of her brand. And as we just saw in this campaign cycle, where the Obama, uh, Obama presidential cycle of politics, which was attempted to be applied to off-year elections of constituency politics, um in African Americans, minority groups, Latinos, African Americans, and focusing on those issues piecemeal as opposed to bringing the one thing that all of these demographic groups have to get in common, which is they're all working people, and working people is traditionally what the Democratic Party has represented, and the irony of ironies when you look at data that the, the higher your income paired with higher education, the more likely you are to, to vote Democratic as opposed to working-class people who don't believe the Democratic Party talks to them at all. And that was part of the drubbing we took. And I was, nobody was more surprised than me uh, that Udall went down. But part of the reason he went down is he focused on constituency politics. Which Elizabeth Warren of, of surrogate speakers in the Democratic Party was able to go to very unique places, including West Virginia, where the president cannot go. While West Virginia did not go Democrat, Elizabeth Warren was able to travel and her brand was una- unaffected and she was welcome because she hasn't polluted her brand by talking about the constituency politics but the unifying factor that working people regardless of their stripes are working people that need the help of government. Alan
3: Moore so something else interesting with 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 Elizabeth Warren is that, that she I think honestly said I'm not interested in running for president and just sort of stepping aside for Hillary Clinton. Now if 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 the, the, the handful of us who think she, Hillary Clinton won't run or won't be the candidate um, is right. Then who? Joe Biden? Hard to see the party rallying around Joe Biden. And then uh, you have Elizabeth Warren. This, just this week, uh, a, a petition of former Obama campaign people got 300 names on it asking Elizabeth Warren to run. Now, is this her time? Um she 's been uh, she will have been in the Senate as long as uh, as Barack Obama was, yeah. and in terms of her experience she's done a lot of different things, a lot more stuff than Obama now. Why is that because she's about twenty years older than Obama was when he set out on this journey. She looks good, she looks young she is sixty five years old in two years she'll be the age that Hillary Clinton is today if she Ever wants to run. This is her time. But it, it seems so keep an eye on how she plays some of these
0: issues but, and, and and what Dan said. But Alan, but Alan it strikes me her knitting on the on the the. the but Alan, it, it strikes me as odd that you know we're seeing you know especially today, which my story was going to be, the passive aggressive nature, the way Jeb Bush said, "Yeah, I'm looking into actively running for president." Uh, on a Twitter and Facebook post, are we starting to see a new venue in politics which doesn't necessarily automatically include the name Clinton or Bush in the mix? Well,
3: what if it does include Clinton or Bush? It's just neither one has got a clear path to to the end. I think Jeff will probably run. I think Hillary Clinton probably won't run. I don't know. But it doesn't bother me if they run. Doesn't bother me if they, they, they don't run. But as we know in American politics, there's always room for interesting surprises. Sometimes the biggest surprise is, is the, the biggest surprise next time around would be if it was Clinton Bush. But right. it's certainly possible.
0: Dan, uh, Carl Tubin, 30 seconds, uh, go. First of all, many people
6: think Corey isn't going to run. I firmly believe she is going to run. I think Elizabeth Warren's role here is going to, is going to pull her to, to the left a little bit, and uh, and, and and it'll, it'll make her a, a stronger candidate. And I I predict there could be a Bush versus Putin race for the presidency in
0: 2016. Interesting. Well, with that, uh, it's now now time for my favorite part of the show, it's Tell Me a Story, where we talk about any innuendo, any sort of rumors going around, any sort of breaking news that we can possibly put out in the air. Congressman Al, tell me a story. I have one, and you'll hate it. Okay, go ahead. (laughs)
2: Welcome back.
1: (laughs) I am wondering if, as the concern about the middle class, which has clearly been depressed for some time, when somebody has the guts to stand in a Democrat, and this would be their kiss of death for them, but it could start something,
7: the
2: middle
1: class started to go to hell in the handbasket under Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan's policies, and his, particularly his tax policies and so forth, Essentially, began to erode the middle class, and he is the Republicans have made such a god out of Ronald Reagan that uh, even the Democrats are afraid to say anything negative about him. But that's where you started the process of eroding the, the economic situation of the middle class. And somebody on the democratic side has got to fall on their sword and say so and make this an issue because over time I think you can overcome uh his enormous popularity by p- focusing on what he actually did to the middle class.
0: Bob Hines, tell me a story. You didn't you didn't have to be rough. Nope, No, nope. No, okay, no nope, right. nope, kinder, gentler. Go <laughs> ahead, Bob Hines, tell me a story. <laughs>
4: Jeff Bush is going to run. If he does, he'll be the
0: nominate. Wow. Simple. No passive-aggressive there. Carl and tell me a story. I just want to remind everybody that in
6: 1960, that uh, John Kennedy ran for president. He ran as a conservative. And he, 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 he ruled as a liberal. And that's when the party started to, to move more also conservative base into a more liberal base. We he were held in a conservative base because of all the, the supporters and their conservative views.
3: Interesting. And I, Moore, really, really, really hope that yeah. that, uh, that the Democrat candidate takes Al up on his suggestion of mis- oh, no, they'll mis- never of, do that.
0: Of no, misstating no, no. mis-
3: no, no. mis- the Reagan record oh, and then okay. running and then running against Ronald Reagan yeah. for in 2016. I hope they do that, but. But I want to talk about okay. about the, the last couple I, I of years. Just it's carefully it's qualified <laughs> that that would be a very unpopular stand to take, and I
1: don't expect anybody who wants to be president I to do it. I want
3: them to. I want well, them to. Well, of course to, you do. Because wow. <laughs> but I'm But. Sorry. What, 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 See, I let you dig your hole out. So, so I, I'm reflecting. I'll on keep the, digging I'm, it. Uh, too. I know you will. I'm reflecting. i not on, running for anything. On the last few years, okay, because we this the last show of the year. So, so it, it leads up to what happened in November. So we have. We had, as Chuck Schumer kindly pointed out to us, uh, an Obama administration that spent enormous amount of time, energy, effort, and political capital in creating a whole new uh, modified uh, national health insurance system in which uh, he was trying to to correct a a screwed up system in which 5% of registered voters did not have some kind of health insurance they were fairly satisfied with. Then, this time around, they pushed really hard on the great, grand, let's appeal to the middle class, an increase in the minimum wage when 5% of registered voters, some of whom are young people, uh, make more, uh, only 5% make the minimum wage. And then they pushed this bogus claim, as as, as Dan mentioned out in, in Colorado, the, the Republican War on Women. Well, let's see where that got them. It had of have a disastrous November. Now, going forward, I hope they keep it up. I'm, a, I think they're figuring it out. Now it's the Republicans' turn, and they've shown the propensity to do this—to completely screw up a great grand opportunity. It'll be an interesting 2015. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Dan Lipner, tell me a story.
5: Well, it was just revealed today that I might have some emails made public, so I believe it's probably best I'd I, I mentioned it on the show first. Um, in 1998, as a, as a Democratic operative, I was a tracker on a political campaign. That campaign did not succeed. Um, our opponent went on to political success, and uh, in 2002, on a lark, I decided to send an email to congratulate this candidate on his political success, and lo and behold, I got a response and uh this This, this exchange lasted about five or six emails and uh the, my my exact words were uh, Governor Bush I want in the world of honor amongst adversaries, I wanted to congratulate you on your political success." To which I got the response Dan, so glad to hear from you. I missed our trips across Florida together uh and and watching you when the plane took off. Uh, When when we left you behind. Uh, So me and Jeb Bush had a very cordial exchange as the then governor of of Florida. And uh, prior to the show, I actually sent a follow up email to Jeb at Jeb.org to find out whether or not my email will be released in his quarter million uh, emails released. So, uh, I I would like to thank Governor Bush, uh, if I am indeed included, for the 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 fame is not infamy that will be coming for his coming presidential run. So you'll run. be
0: working as a Republican operative from now on. Act,
5: beyond that, he actually did play a little joke on me because I, I, I after I, I suggested next time he he comes to D.C. Uh, he he has he invites me to coffee with him and his brother. But seriously, that was the end of the email exchange with me and him. I did immediately after that get get an email from his volunteer coordinator saying, and I'm quoting here, Governor Bush says you're a great supporter and wanted to know if you wanted to help with his race. he
2: did that, did I have
5: no doubt that Governor Bush did that specifically. So, that's, yeah. that's funny. That, that's very funny.
0: That is hysterical. Well, with with, with that, uh, this is going to be our last show of the year. The next uh, two Tuesdays will be best of shows. Uh, so we want to wish all of our listeners a happy holiday season. Uh, we will be back the first Tuesday in January, which will be January 2nd, uh, I believe. And we'll be back with the same political insight, the same political shenanigans, That usually happens every Tuesday, live from Shelley's back room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Bob? The place to be. On behalf of Congressman Al Swift, Bob Hines, Carl Tuvin, Alan Moore, and Dan Littner, I am your moderator, Justin Russell. Uh, You can follow us on the web at backroompolitics.org. You can follow us on Twitter at BackroomPolitics, or you can email your questions and concerns and thoughts to justin at backroompolitics.org. We want to wish all of our listeners a happy, happy new year, happy holiday season, and we'll see you in 2015. Take care, America. Bye-bye.